Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hello, my name's Trevor Cooper, and I play Len in this country, and you should be listening to the What the Actual Fuck podcast. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast. First, he's the man that I've just had to rush to as there was no bog roll in the toilet, and he was on the brink of disaster. It's Neil. Nothing worse, is there? Nothing worse than running out of toilet roll at that. No, I think actually the turtle head poking out before you get to the toilet is worse than having no toilet pe- toilet roll. Could be. Well, yeah, that could yeah, be. Could, well, it is, isn't it? Because you can always use the cardboard chip. <laughs> I made you him made choke. <laughs> oh, you made me choke. Then. Sorry, sorry. Not the first time in the shed. No. I've made you choke. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> but we won't talk about that. No, what stays in the shed stays in the shed. Absolutely. Now, our guest this episode is a BAFTA winning director. Not just any director, he is the director of this country. It's been a while since we last spoke, so we have lots to discuss, as well as answering a few of your this country questions. He is all the all seeing oracle. He is the one and only Tom George. Hello. Hey. hey. So good to see you again, Tom. Yeah, and thanks for that early mental image of Neil's turtle head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody wants that in their life, Tom. Not even me. Everybody wants that. <laughs> no, everybody no, wants that. No. Uh, How are you both? We're good. Man. We're very well. We're good. I mean, the last we we saw you at the the preview show, in didn't we? That's right. Yeah. yeah How long so ago was that? Now? That, about a month ago. About yeah, a month about ago, a month wasn't ago. It? Yeah. So how was that for you? Oh, amazing. Yeah, those screenings were so brilliant. They just get kind of bigger and crazier and yeah but of course it's like it's also our first chance to um to get feedback really from from fans and from so few people kind of have seen the show um within our group it's like a relatively small amount of people who've who've even seen it we maybe show it to a couple of other people outside the core team but um yeah so that that those two screenings we ended up doing down in siren were just like brilliant and like the feedback was incredible because i don't know well certainly we're always nervous going into um 
into uh, those screenings because you just don't know. It's so hard. You're so close to it by that point. Um, so you're never quite sure how it's going to go down. And it's, it was just such a relief and such a joy to see it um, to see it go down so well, yeah. Do you, do you have a contingency then? God forbid. Not that it would happen, but let's say... What a spare episode. Yeah, like if, if it didn't quite hit the mark. I mean... What, could we go back into the other? No, not really. I mean, it's not like... You sometimes hear in films, they'll do test screenings and then they go back in and change things or whatever. There's just not the budget or the time. I mean, you, you saw what was the, the the amount of time that passed between the screening and the first episode going out was about 10 days or mm-hmm. something. And it just wouldn't have been practical, no. So you're kind of stuck by then. Um, and that's kind of the point. You kind of, you, you hope you've got it right and you've, you've worked at it for months to, to try and get it right. Mm. um but yeah that's that's the thing it's like you are letting it out into the world and there's no more changes no more tweaks now what do people think of it yeah. um so when you're backstage so, at the, the preview showing are you listening out for where you think the laughs are going to be or does it surprise you where some of the laughs come from or where they don't come from yeah well I mean, we we watch the screenings at the back generally i mean we're, we're usually in there rather than um you know we're not some sort of uh you know, champagne quaffing celebs, Pavo, <laughs> backstage, like, in a bubble. That's, uh, no, we you can try and make us believe that, Tom, but we don't believe that. <laughs> I know. As many, as many times as I say that, actions speak louder than words. You have a smoking jacket and a cravat on supping champagne as we speak, so don't give of us Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's annoying that you've given that away. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah, we watch them at the back, because exactly because of that, because we want to see how it goes down, and it, it is amazing... Even in those two screenings, because we did a matinee screening and then an evening screening in Sirencester. And even across the two screenings, different things land in different ways and some things get bigger laughs or don't get laughs at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something where, you know, you want to see and you want to know how it goes down. But overall, kind of couldn't have been, couldn't have been happier. Hmm. It was a great reception, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a great reception. Yeah, it was amazing. And obviously we're sort of preaching to the choir, I suppose, because it's like it's the core fans and it's the people, you know, in the area, but also those who are dedicated enough to take an afternoon off or take an evening and come out and watch it. Um, But those are the sort of people who are most important to us, because from the start of the show, they've been that kind of white hot coal that's kind of got everyone else excited and spread it by word of mouth. You know, that first series was like there wasn't any advertising. There was no pictures on buses back then so yeah it was all word of mouth and so that's that's always been important to us and um it's why we do those screenings and it's like amazing when when you get the sort of reception we did yeah now the first time we spoke to you um yourself and simon the producer came yes came to our shed now this was all pre-bafta um success I'm pretty yeah, sure right. it was because I think it was just it around the start of series two, wasn't it? It was, the, yeah. The, that you yeah. came in. Were we filming series two? At the time, I think you we were. were yeah. yeah, I think you were. So you, you got to give us the the, the lowdown on how that all felt. It's mad to think of that. Like the the, the second series kind of came out, and the, the BAFTA happened after that. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah, like yeah. it seems so 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 really. We hadn't done a well, no, we hadn't done a series since that BAFTA thing happened, which I think took it to a wider audience. Um, in some ways, the show, um, but yeah, it, I don't know. It's one of those things, isn't it? it? It seems ages ago, and also so so recent. It's kind of it's weird. Um, but the night itself was just 
surreal, completely surreal. I mean, it was so, we were so happy to be there, and I know everyone sort of says that, but we were we were genuinely happy to be there and kind of walking around, going, "What is going on?" Just being at that event, um, and then so so like we couldn't lose, and mm. then when we didn't lose, <laughs> it was like it was yeah, I mean, just heads gone rolling around the aisles basically, and then for Daisy to win her one as well, yeah. we won for the. What was it? Yeah, we won for the show, and then Daisy won for her one as well. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. magic. Must be a feeling like you couldn't quite describe, really, isn't it? It's one of those sort of events that happen, I suppose. That's life changing, is it? Well, what was it like watching it on the telly? Because it must have been so. It must have been surreal in its own way for you guys. Well, it was. I yeah. can remember the I people can... who have been in your shed. Yeah, I can remember because like, because the, the the TV show ran a little bit later. It was like it had a delay, so yeah. I was watching it on Twitter. So every so often it would come up and saying, um, "Oh, here we are!" And Daisy's wearing the Swindon Town dress, and doesn't she look fun? And it looks great, and. Then the yeah. next thing that came up, it said that this country had won a BAFTA, and I thought, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then when the second one yeah. came up, it that I mean, like I say, like like Neil just said, how I felt in the fact mm. that you're sort of involved in the fan community of it, yeah. To then being yourselves, where you're actually making the thing, it must have felt just it's sort of an overload. If yeah, I'm honest. I can it's imagine. Like you, you, you really do well. Certainly, me and Charlie, and I think probably all of us did to some extent. Sort of black out a little bit on stage. I was, I can't remember who it was, but I said to one of them afterwards, "Oh my god, you didn't do your bit where you were going to thank so and so." And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we did." And going through that together because it just felt like it made it so much more special being being there with those with those three. It was a really really amazing night. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. So um, then it came on to, uh, I'm trying to make sure that we don't forget anything, because obviously we haven't spoken to you for a while. Uh, yeah. So you had the aftermath. Um, yes. So when it came to actually getting together with that, the expectation of the fans, was that something mm. that you were aware of? Because obviously, like you said, with Series 1, you were under the radar. No one really knew what you were going, what you were going to do, what it was all about. But after the BAFTA win, after Series 2... There was a lot of expectations. We found it from our end that it was a lot like Star Wars, where everybody's going, I wonder if this is going to happen. I wonder <laughs> if that's going to happen. And there's theories yeah, and there's, yeah. you know, fan, not fan fiction, but, you know, fan theories. Could you feel that when you were making it? Um, I don't know if we could feel that exactly, but we've definitely become sort of, have gradually become aware of that. And I've got to say that is amazing, just being part of making a show that has that kind of connection with people because it's you know people love tv shows and love films yeah. but it, it's another thing altogether the way that the detail that attention to detail that the people watching it kind of come have when they're watching it um which is so rewarding because we like to think we put that amount of detail into the making of it so when you feel like it really feels like we've kind of found our audience and it's so good that you know just pe someone picks up on everything do you know mm. what i mean that's, that's in there um and there's a lot in there so that's great but um in terms of expectation yeah completely i mean i think we probably said to you the last time we came in that the second series we felt that expectation would we be able to repeat the trick that's the thing it's like the first series was so special and really like kind of it felt kind of 
like it had its own momentum. It just sort of happened. And obviously it didn't. We did put a lot of work in as well, but we were figuring it out and it kind of, and, and learning as we went. And then you, I was definitely asking, we were definitely asking ourselves going into that second series, can we repeat the trick? Is it, is it now, are we going to overthink it? Or, you know, there's just a bar that you're trying to hit then, which there wasn't in the first series. You're discovering, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're discovering the show at that time. And yeah, that has definitely continued since. I mean, the reason we did the special was originally um, the BBC came to us and said oh, they they wanted to commission two more series. So they said, look, um, we love the series. Would you do a third and a fourth and commit to doing that at that point? Daisy was just about to have her baby, Pip, and um, who turned out to be Pip. <laughs> and um, And so we knew that that year ahead of us was going to be busy particularly for daisy and that it wasn't practical to make a series that year we didn't want to wait kind of 18 months before bringing a series out so we kind of went back to them and said how about we do a one-off special this year and then come back and do a third series next year um but yes yeah, so it, it, it was definitely expectation was was higher but also everyone's busier like the, the truth is in that first series and in the build-up to that first series we had kind of about a year together really yeah. like mm. working out what not just on the scripts but also like what is it going to be what type of documentary is it going to be how are we going to shoot it um what's the humor like what type of you know what 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 kind of story stuff and character stuff do we want to do we had that time together um developing the show um and that was because we didn't have any work on no none no. of us were very busy <laughs> yeah yeah so we were able to like do that and have time to throw out whole scripts, whole episode ideas that would get to a first draft, maybe even a second draft. And then we go, look, no, it's not right. Get rid of it. Um, so there's a couple of things going on. Your expectations, or at least your awareness, your expectations on yourself, I think, are what you like, what you feel first. That you know now how good it can be and you don't want to do another series if it's going to be worse than what you've done before or not kind of reach that sort of level. Mm. Um so, but then time is the other thing. That's on the other axis. You've got kind of less time, you know. You've, Daisy was off doing um, uh, David Copperfield and they, Charlie and Daisy were writing an episode for, well, I suppose we're now talking about the third series. But everyone's had other projects kind of going on. Um, and so that becomes the challenge, I think, which is like, can you still do it? Um, is your kind of process like... Will that help you get there? And in a way, that's more satisfying. Like, I think I probably said to you, like, when the second series came out and was as, or we felt overall kind of at that same sort of level, in a way that was more satisfying because we knew what the, that bar was. And um, and it kind of gave us a bit, gave me a bit at least, a bit of confidence in that whole process. It's like, yes, we can repeat the trick. We do know why, what made it good and how to get there and how to keep it kind of fresh yeah. and, and keep some of that spirit that was in the first series there as well. Um, but yes, it doesn't get any easier in terms of that, that no. expectation and, 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 and that nervousness about it, definitely. So uh, I was going to say, so has your process with Daisy and Charlie and writing and getting the story together changed from series one, series two, special and series three, or has, has that been pretty much sort of standard? We've definitely got to know the process better and kind of figure it out. In the first series, I mean, I always say we were figuring out what the show was and how it worked. Um, but it all happened very organically. Like, if, you know, at first, Daisy and Charlie were just down to be the writers. And then increasingly across the series, I got involved in kind of doing story stuff with them. 
And that led to by the second series, Simon and I having story by credit with those guys. And it was sort of, we did the same thing on the first series, but it kind of happened by degrees. And, you know, so then it was like at the end of the first series, we went, right, how should we carve up the credits? How should, you know, people be recognized for the work or whatever? Um, but yeah, we've got, a, a, I think through that first series, we figured out what works, works best. And often that on this country has been Daisy and Charlie and I start together, the three of us do a couple of days on maybe one episode or a couple of episodes. And that's like post-its on the wall time. You'll have seen photos that we've posted now and again on Twitter. Um, and that's breaking story, really, trying to work out what an episode looks like. Um, and then often Simon will come in maybe on the third the third day and he's brilliant at kind of cutting through and saying, hey, having big ideas for the story. Like, what about if you didn't end it there, you, you went on? Or what about if you... In these two plots crossed over so um so that they you know because that might be uh be more satisfying he's brilliant on that that kind of top level structural stuff um and then we have an outline that we're kind of happy with at which point daisy and charlie go away and write a draft and then really simon and i become kind of script editors i suppose at that right. point and um so they'll send a draft we'll give some notes they'll do another draft um yeah so that's roughly how that I can now tell you what that process is. It would have been harder to tell you at the end of the first series. Yeah. 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 So as a director then, um, Tom, when you did the aftermath, did that prove challenging doing a feature length sort of, I mean, well, I don't want to say feature length, but an extended episode, was that a different challenge for yourself? That was definitely part of it. Yes. Mm. Cause it's a really, it's a different shape. Suddenly it's got a, you know, I mean, it's longer obviously, yeah. but it, it's kind of, it means the story needs to kind of, be a slightly different shape needs to be a bit longer in the middle needs to have a little extra turn somewhere in there so it's a different kind of structure um but also the fact that it was a special was difficult because it couldn't just be a long episode you know like um it had to have a point it needed to sort of own its place as a special um and so typically in specials you know it's either a christmas thing or it's a big event or they go away on holiday and or some sort of trick that makes it a special i.e. something out of the ordinary and we try i mean we went around the houses with that with that script probably more than any um we have um and yeah because it was so because it was challenging to find something that was that made it special basically and when we hit upon the thing of it should um tie up the kind of martin kerry cliffhanger from the end of that um the end of the series because we, we weren't even sure about that at, at some point then it was like okay right it feels like there is a, it has a purpose this is why it's a special because it's going to actually put a lot of the martin stuff to rest in some ways and kerry's going to have this bit of character development where maybe for the first time she sees what martin's really like or sees a few chinks in the armor you know um and then we were, yeah so then it, it kind of made sense but it was yes one of the hardest episodes certainly in the writing mm-hmm. um that, that, that we've had to do and again so satisfying when it kind of eventually came together because i was really worried on that one and i think everyone like genuinely worried we were kind of like a week out from filming and didn't quite have the script where we wanted it to be so that was probably one of the few times where we've actually been like oh, this, this could be a bit of a car crash. So to manage to put it together was was a relief. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said earlier that um, 
that there were some like script ideas that were just chucked out or actual whole scripts that were chucked out. Were there any that you actually th- now think I wish we'd actually had maybe a series three and a series four that we could have utilised those ideas? No, definitely not. They were very bad ideas. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's honest. Um, no, they were like, yeah. Um, no, there certainly aren't any that I'm like, oh, I wish we'd been able to get that story. It, it was more things that, Again, when we were trying to find, particularly in the first series, I think it was, there weren't so many in the second series. I think it was really first series stuff. Trying to find, like, how broad and comic can the stories go, for example? You know, how wacky, how silly, how... And through the first series, we we figured out it has to be truthful. It has to feel real. Um, and then you can have all the silly stuff you like because you believe it, right? So you can have curtain stuck on the with the wheelbarrow Mm. on the plank because you've rooted it in it feels like a work it feels like the type of job he'd be doing it feel it looks like that kind of building site you know what i mean it's sort of rooted and there were definitely ideas that sounded funny and made us laugh in the room like one of them was called the pig and that was an episode where um kerry sort of formed a relationship a bond with a a pig on the farm on farmer jenkins farm right and then found out it was going to the abattoir. So, like, released the pig. And then the pig kind of um, got loose in the village and kind of created various bits of carnage around the village. And you never really saw the pig again, but they'd always be kind of following in its trail, which I like as a plot structure. Um, but uh, it was all just too cartoony and, and just didn't feel... Do I really believe Kerry cares about a pig? It's character as well, I suppose. It comes yeah. from character. Do I believe she cares that much? Um, about a pig. There was another one that was, um, I think it was just, what was it called? Like terrorist attack or something like that. Oh it was God. based on a funny thing, which was like when someone comes up to you in a pub and says something like, word to the wise, don't go into the town centre on Tuesday the 6th or whatever. Those sort of like <laughs> tall tale type yeah. things where people give you warnings about kind of <laughs> events or, or, or dangerous things that might happen. Um, and I think that's what someone said that to Kurt and he became obsessed that there was going to be a terrorist attack on the village uh, again like there was funny stuff in it but it just didn't ring true so yeah, yeah. Up getting chucked out so um, no there's nothing that I'm uh, uh, there's nothing for series four in the uh, in the old scripts folder on my desktop alright so with the success of the series when they were when they're going through what about filming? Yeah. Obviously, being the director, did it did it start to get challenging with the filming? People turning up, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it definitely got harder to film in the village. We found that from the special kind of onwards, um, just because people were sort of aware of it. People, you know, they know what it is, so they stop to have a watch, and then maybe they're in the back of shot, that type of thing. It also got harder to do sort of in, in the first series, like. Kerry and Daisy and Charlie, as Kerry and Curtin, could walk past someone in the street and say something. And if the cameras were far enough back, they wouldn't know who they were. They didn't know it was a TV show. They'd sort of... And there are little bits of that in the first series and maybe tiny bits in the second series. But, um, yeah, so that kind of thing got, got definitely got harder. Um, but, no, the filming... I think we got better at the filming because actually I have to say the scripts overall due to, I think Daisy and Charlie mentioned that we had like due to schedules about four weeks less time to write the scripts this time than, than on the second series. Yeah. So they were definitely like not as home 
and refine the year two because we all we, we usually go in with like really really kind of um finely tuned scripts and then if there's extra stuff on top of that or little bits of improv then brilliant we were used to having them and what that meant was we just had to do more fixing them on the day so we'd often take half an hour not every scene but maybe one in three we'd have to spend half an hour reworking it sort of on the floor before filming it um and i don't think we'd have been able to do that if we hadn't had the first the, those two series behind us and known how to how to to, to fix things as yeah, we go yeah. um but yeah it's hard i mean it makes it more exhausting particularly for days in charlie because usually when we get to filming they can forget about the scripts um they can just concentrate on the acting this time they had to often do some writing and then go and do the acting so yeah it made it it made it tiring but, yeah. um but again just make you know that i think that's it can't always be plain sailing and that's the nice it's it's nice to know you can kind of come through those things um, as like work challenges, I suppose, and like still be creative and still, still, still make it good. Yeah. Does um, it bring the challenges, Tom, then when you're directing? So if they're, they're writing the script, let's say that morning or finishing a scene or whatever, <clears throat> does that then challenge your direction to what you want them to do or how? Um, not particularly. I mean, we know the characters so well now. They do, I do. And also we know the tone of things. And we've always had a bit of a spirit. They're so good as writers, Daisy and Charlie, at not being possessive about about the script in terms of, well, I suppose just having a collaborative attitude to the way we work, but also not saying, oh, this is what's written here, we have to do this. They're always looking for whether it could be better, whether it could be more natural, whether it could be funnier. And we've all got our eyes on that, Simon, myself and Daisy and Charlie um so we're used to like kind of um thinking on our feet with it i think um but no from a directing point of view we've again we know it better now we know generally like it's this kind of scene we'll have the cameras in with them or it's this kind of scene we'll have them further away or it's a talking head we'll just do it single camera or whatever so you, you kind of know the grammar of it a bit more i suppose um so i think because we're so kind of in tune on that side of it it made it possible for us to kind of um still have the scripts slightly in flux when we got to but not ideal yeah you always want the script you but everyone wants more time for the writing but you yeah i think we we've all said we wouldn't we wouldn't do that again we'd just say no we need we have to have this time yeah up front to get the scripts exactly so when you are directing do you do you give them sort of direction on performance, even though they know the character so well? Do you do you still, even on series three, have to speak up about their performance? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because it's um, it's often just small suggestions, really. And there are, you know, just because they know the characters, well, there are different ways to play a scene. Sometimes it's like, is Kerry front-footed and confident, or is she kind of uh, aware that she's telling a lie, or all those sort of subtleties that go into it. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a, it's mainly performance notes that we're working on. And obviously I'll have notes sometime for, for the camera operators. You, they, they're so brilliant that you're really, that the brilliant thing about both performance in this country and camera and many of the other departments, from my point of view as a director is everyone's like 95% there on their own. And that means that then you're working in those really fine details mm. just to get something really great. 
And that's so just brilliant from a director's point of view, because, you know, everyone, well, I've certainly worked on projects where you're just trying to get it to be passable, either in a performance sense or maybe camera or whatever. So, so yeah, that's the joy of it really, is you're really, you kind of feel like you're working in those little details and hopefully that's where I can help. And is that the difference between something that is a run-of-the-mill comedy or drama to something that is that little bit more special, where you're going to find that extra 5%? Yeah, I think so. I think that, I think that probably is a lot to do with it, you know. And it's, I mean, it obviously starts from brilliant scripts and, to, and, well, three or more very funny characters. That's the kind of foundation for sure. But the way even the show has evolved from when, from the certainly from the early scripts we had when we were in the process of writing the first series, uh, and even I think from what was in the first series to now, it was only th- after we'd written maybe four or five episodes of that first series that um, when we get towards those last couple of episodes that we had the confidence to do things like Curtin's GMVQ episode, where it's like suddenly there's a kind of emotional thing going on as well as the funny thing, you know? And it always had that thread of pathos running through it anyway. But in terms of like dramatic scenes and sort of, you know, scenes with emotional, with real emotional stakes, it was really only when we kind of had, had written maybe four episodes that I think all of us, and certainly I think the Coopers felt confident enough to take on those kind of scenes. Mm. Um, and so to see what we've been able to do from a story point of view, like across the piece, that's really satisfying as well. Because I think it's kind of, we've as we've got more confident, we've been able to find ways to have those meaningful emotional stakes in play without it ever forgetting that it's a comedy. Yeah. And like, mm. and, or getting too serious or, or becoming too much about that. Um, yeah, that's something I'm really proud of, I think. Mm. Well, we will Which talk. Was, was that a question? That was yeah, 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 question. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pretend, just... Maybe you can just record saying, uh, "What are you most proud of, Tom?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about series three in a sec, but um, we put out on Twitter and Facebook. We wanted to ask, uh, get them, the fans, to ask you some questions. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a few of the questions, and um, I mean, you might be able to answer them. You might not be able to. But we'll okay. Yeah. So on Twitter at Tweeterwix said, who selects the social... Bot. Russian bot. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look Russian. I mean, well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Uh, who selects the social political points in between scenes? And has anyone ever asked Cotswold MP Jeffrey Clifton Brown if he's ever seen an episode, if he recognises the Cotswolds depicted in this country, and if he's ever going to pull his finger out and do something to help? <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> Okay, well, I'll start with the second part of the question. Okay. No. As far as I know, no one's ever asked him. Um, the first part of the question, Simon and I write those uh, in the edit. Right. Um, they We often don't know what they're going to be. Well, it, clearly don't know what they're going to be before we film it. Um, and they're not in the scripts. When we first did them, um, they were just a way to remind you that it was a documentary, I suppose, because mm. you sort of, we start with those po-faced kind of serious BBC documentary cards at the front of the show, and then you're into it and you realise at some point, it, some people sooner than others, that it's a comedy. And um, and so it's a kind of a way of just taking a breath and being able, and saying, oh, remember, it's a, it's a serious documentary, and then kind of going again. But as we 
did them the cards in the first series and certainly as they've as we've gone on um yeah I've, i really love i really like that they're in there and we you know usually there's a theme that emerges through the episode it's like oh it's about um it's about travel and transport and or the inability to get around in rural areas or it's about um family units or it's about uh, the church or whatever. So usually something emerges. Sometimes they are absolutely painful to try and figure out what can the fact be about yeah, yeah, yeah. in this episode. Yeah. But um, and are the statistics correct, or have you just made them up? Yes. No. Yeah. They're they're completely factually accurate. Right. Um, and in for the first series, we relied heavily on this. Um, it was called something like the Committee for Like Rural Research, um, which was a government kind of um committee uh that had been like disbanded so like um so yeah so then we not only was that quite funny because they even got rid of the thing that was even looking into rural issues it was then like quite annoying because we'd run out of facts right it's like useful place but um yeah so we now we sort of i'm always i've got a folder that i'm always putting kind of newspaper articles or um or any kind of little interesting bits of research regarding like rural issues or anything to do with the countryside really um that that's sort of the basis but yeah they're all true all real facts and statistics and yeah I, i'm really glad that people have it's only this series that anyone's really had anything to say about them yeah but um and obviously they're not really they were just a sort of tonal thing like i say to remind people it's a documentary but it's it's nice because there's sort of you know important stuff in there that's important issues in play mm, yeah definitely. Um, and that's i suppose that's part of that is in there in the show as well never hit you never hit over the head with it but it's like these two can't really get out of the village no no, no like physically or or metaphorically or whatever so um yeah, no, oh, that's cool. That's a nice question. There you go, Tweeter This is like multicolored swap shop. This is yeah. people phoning in their questions. Right uh, on Facebook, James Pottinger, uh, who's a uh, Patreon bozo, by the way. Well done, uh, James. well done, James. Um, if Curtin didn't want his nan to know Kerry was upstairs, why did he also let the film crew in with their clod hopping and fog horning? Yes, good question. And we did. This is exactly the type of thing that we agonise over on set when filming. It's this kind of thing about why are the film crew here? Would the film crew be here? Um, but remember, Curtin thinks his nan's out at farm foods for another hour or whatever, and then she comes back a little earlier. So I think we we felt like the, he was letting the crew come in and then he was probably imminently going to kick the crew out because you're absolutely right. He needs to keep it, um, keep it quiet. Yes, we did think about that, but... Um, also, like, remember the crew for a documentary is more like one director with a camera and maybe a sound person. So it's not like he's got a film crew with, like, lighting or whatever. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's a fair point. You know what? It's something it's – it's a good question because we always – we're really strict with the rules. And, and we, as I say, we always interrogate all these things really closely and then sometimes break them or gently bend them. And we, I sort of feel like if we, you know, if we do the work to at least go, is this okay? Yeah, it's on the line, but let's do it because the scene's too funny to yeah, not yeah. do, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good thing. We've always been like, we'll never be in the bedroom at night with characters. We'll never sort of be, um, you know, be in with them in personal moments, which they wouldn't want on 
camera or the only way to do that is if you're a long way away zoomed right in and filming them without them knowing you know so because that is important to us that it feels like a documentary yeah and i think other documentaries have different rules and go about things in different ways but for me it's always a bit weird. it is weird when you're like why are they now in bed in you know this couple are in bed and the crew are there in yeah the it's like what's that about so um sorry if we Broke the uh, <laughs> bubble, for, uh, Mr. Pottinger. There you go. Uh, right, from Posteritti. Now, these are the guys that do them fantastic minimalist uh, this country uh, posters. The artwork oh, is phenomenal. They are amazing. So check They're them so out. Useful. And they always pick out really great details and motifs from each episode. Which Absolutely. Is really, really smart, Absolutely. Really uh, so they say in the second episode of this third series, when Curtin is going to turn over Sue, he does a little subtle shoulder flex and stretch. <laughs> <laughs> to ready himself for the task ahead. It said, it made me proper laugh. Are there really subtle elements like that scripted or do they develop during filming? Uh, great question. They, they, that type of thing would develop during filming. Um, that's that sort of level of detail. You, you can't get in a script and keep it readable. And also you don't think of even, you know, even though Daisy and Charlie are also the two of the main cast, you don't think of absolutely everything like that um and there were probably a couple of takes where charlie didn't do that and i think on that i think that was his idea and he said shall i like sort of stretch you know just have a little stretch you know sort of limber up on my way out i was like yeah those sorts of details that, that um that we we're often working on 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 set yeah yeah so uh jenny turner uh said similar to that question uh is the whole show tightly scripted or are there elements of improvisation um, yeah, we get asked this a lot. Um, and I think that's partly because Daisy and Charlie's writing of dialogue is so good. Their ear for the spoken word is so good that the writing sounds like the way that people speak. Um, and, but there are, yeah, there are elements of improvisation. Um, obviously there's different types of it as well. There's like that sort of pure improvisation of someone says a thing once that you wasn't scripted and it's just sort of like bottling lightning. That happens now and again. But more, there's a kind of loose approach to the script at times. We start really tight on the script. And then as we go through the takes, at some point, we'll often do a slightly looser one where it's like, I don't mind if that's a cup or a glass. And I don't mind which order you say those things in. It's like, whatever feels right for you. Sometimes that's a really good one. Sometimes it's chaos. And then you come back on the script and... The next one's a good one, if you mm. see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of spirit of improv running through it. And I think Daisy and Charlie write in quite an improvisational way as well. They write by doing scenes between the two of them, you know, a lot of the time. And in rehearsals, we'll often do scenes that you'll never see on camera, which are kind of improvised to, like, develop the characters. And so they know the all the sort of steps that have got them to where they are. So, yeah, there's a lot of... There's there's a lot of the spirit of improvisation in it, but there's probably not quite as much just people talking and being funny as you think. Yeah, the guys work really really hard on the scripts and and they're really funny on the page. If you mm. read the scripts, we always go into every shooting day feeling like if we just get what's on the page, it'll be great. That's what if we just get this, and then because like if you're under pressure, trying to hoping that 
improv is going to save your scene, which is you're you're not very funny scene. Mm. That's kind of like the enemy of improv being stressed and being like feeling like oh shit, I've got to say something funny, you know. So we try and make it that you know all those foundations are in place and in the, in a scripting sense, so that then you're relaxed and you know that everything else is a bonus and. And they are both brilliant improvisers. It's not to take away from that. They come up with incredible stuff. I think that um, in episode two, one of my favourite talking heads we've ever done is the one where Curtin says, um, he's talking about the vicar, and he says, you can't uh, save a damsel if she loves her distress. (laughs) And then Kerry comes in with, and you can't save a shark. That's right. Uh, No, you can't save someone who's insistent on doing one of them shark experiences from a shark. And that, that's an example of where I think we had that that on the script probably went up as far as um, damsel in distress, but we always felt like that was a bit of a line. It was a bit of a gag. So then we found on the day, our oh, curtain knows it's a gag and he's sort of doing it like he's found a clever line. Okay. That works. Then it doesn't feel like the writers have found a clever line. It feels like curtain has. Mm. And I, but I'm pretty sure that that was Daisy then improvising off the back. She, we talked about it. She said, I've got, what if I talk about this sharp documentary, but we never kind of scripted that or worked out what those lines would be. So that interaction that happens with, with Kerry and Curtin from that point, where Curtin's like, oh, that's got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and all of that was, was improvised off the back. So, right. So on the, yeah. same, on the same lines as that then, Sarah Henderson says, was the clunk click suck my dick and ad lib? Uh, only because Kerry smirks a bit after she said it. Um, yes, I think that was an ad lib. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. And, but Kerry Smirk, I think Kerry Smirk's like in character, in character. rather than mm. rather yeah. corpsing and that. And we are, you know, th- there is plenty of corpsing uh, in the show, but mm. that I, I'm, I think she's, I love her little smirk there because it's like a naughty kid yeah. who knows they've crossed the line. And as soon as the vicar goes, excuse me, she goes nothing. Yeah, you know that yeah. thing is like is so is just such a kid. Because the other line now, I've said, I can't remember who I asked this to before, but um, in minor injuries, when she mm. says the immortal line, uh, "Vicar, you've got your finger up my asshole, mate." Yes. It seems to cut really quickly. Was that was now was that something that was in the script? Because it seems to me like everybody just pissed themselves laughing because she said it. And it's because no, that like... was definitely in the script. No, that, that was oh, right. Okay, I don't know why that. Um, why we cut quickly there? It just feels um, like everyone. It just might got... have just been about jump cutting through that sequence. Right, it's right. Quite long the first time we did it, so it might have been just getting her in the car took a while, and then obviously you got Len comes up and walks off. So it was yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. We kind of wanted to keep it moving. Right. Um, no, that was that was in the script. Um, okay. That's fine. Well, yeah. you've, you've answered that one for me. So that's that my question that I wanted. So you've answered that. Right, back on Twitter, at Psycho Bonet says, why does Curtin live with his nan? Now, she's not the only one that would have answered that. There's a lot of people that want to know, and, and where are Curtin's parents? Would you know that kind of information about the character? We've definitely talked about that, yeah, because we explored it as whether it might be... Um, kind of fruitful story stuff as well, somewhere that we wanted to do in a plot. Um, what we always thought was that Curtin's mum had him very young and wasn't equipped to be a parent and, uh, you know, kind of wasn't ready to be. And so Curtin's nan took him in and basically raised him and that his mum um, sort of 
has kind of drifted away. Like that she hasn't really that really Nan's his his mum. Nan's his mum his parent. Yeah. Um and that dad was never on the scene and that mum mum's sort of off living her life kind of somewhere else and they don't have a huge amount of contact. So she's not really in his life right. particularly. Okay. Um so yeah we didn't really go into the finer detail of that, but that that was always our understanding of like Nan's raised Curtin. He's not just living there for like a year or a couple of years. She's she's raised him. Right. I think that comes across, doesn't it? Because yeah. they're so similar yeah. as well. Like, yeah. You know, you know, even though Nan has, until episode three, been uh, absent, we haven't even heard from her. No. You kind of have a real, I think, have a real sense of what Nan's like, which is sort of like Curtin. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Anal yeah. and a worry wart. <laughs> yeah. And, and exactly. all that stuff. Exactly. Well, um, Psycho Bunny at Psycho Bunny also says, Kerry and Curtin share the same surname. Does that mean Curtin's dad is Martin's brother or his mum, Martin's unmarried sister? Um, so going no, we have done this. Here. We have done this whole family tree because um, it got very confusing when Nugget was on the scene um, because Nugget was their uncle by marriage. We say that in the script. So at some point we had to draw the whole thing out. Um, what I'll say is um, you will find more detail about Curtin's family tree in a coming episode. Right. Okay, and uh, and to be fair, we're recording this one uh, Although, actually, when series be... three, uh, sorry, episode yes, three has come out, so three. this will be coming out in a couple of weeks. So I think it's uh... yeah. Oh, so it'll be in at four. It'll be done. Yeah, it'll be done. It'll be done. So you'll have so you'll have seen in at four. Um, that I can answer the question and say um, it's uh, Martin's brother. Martin's right. brother was was is is Curtin's dad. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, Wonderful. And now, in the future, your listeners will have seen um, episode four. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Moving <laughs> on, this is not... I know. <laughs> it's like Avengers Endgame, isn't it? It is. It's just what, going can back you four. what can you not say? <laughs> okay, yeah. at Sean Cameron UK says, what's the weirdest plotline character moment that's never been used? He's a friend of mine. I know him. We used to work together. Ah, <laughs> hello, Sean. Um, he, uh, what's the... Well, I suppose we sort of did that, didn't we? Like um, the terrorist plot. In yeah, the yeah. Or the like, pig. Yeah, yeah. Or the pig. I mean, there's two, two of the weirdest. Yeah, I um, don't think weirdest I, I, plots. I don't know um, what what kind of terrorist is going to want to wreak havoc on else, a small cotswold village. You never know. No. You never. Um, know. Is there anything else? I tell. I tell you what. You know, Daisy's probably told you that Pip. Um, was once in an episode and was cut from an episode. Do you remember oh, hearing no, that? Oh, no, baby? What was that? So we had her in, um, what was it? It was, oh, we were going to say that Martin had, and Sandra had a baby that Kerry didn't even know about. That was how, like, oh, uh, right. terrible Martin had been. So that uh, in and around the special plot with Sandra or whatever, that... Um, it was like, I didn't even know about you, uh, who's this six-month-old baby. But really, it was just Daisy wanted to crowbar Pip in the show. <laughs> and, uh, and it was sort of, we hadn't, yeah, so we didn't do it in the end. But, um, 
Yeah, no, it's not winning the pig, though, is it? No. Pig slot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no. OK, at, at Lyndon Roberts 10 says, who made the decision to release an episode a week? And then there's question marks and exclamation marks are plenty. Because what, what was there? Because I know that Simon just before, well, before these series came out put a Twitter poll out saying, "Do you want it all in one go, or you know, an episode a week?" Was there ever a thought of just dropping all six episodes? Yeah, the um, we had to. The, the truth is, we had to fight really hard to release it weekly. Um, BBC Three are mainly moving towards box setting shows, and we're keen in the first instance, although I asked for our input, which was nice of them, but they were keen in the first instance to box set it. Um, and Charlie in particular, like kind of fought quite hard for it, but we all felt it was right to keep it weekly. Mm. Um, because for a couple of reasons, one is like, it's all very well box setting when you're like 10 hours on Netflix, like 10 hour long episode or 45 minute long episodes. You can, you can't really watch more than a couple of those a mm. night. Stranger Things, say. Do you know what I mean? You, you, it's going to take you a week or two to get through Stranger Things. But when this country episodes are as short as like 23, 24 minutes, you, you know, we know that people could watch all of that in like a couple of days. And so it's quite hard to get a footprint into, I think, for like when you're kind of six episodes and they're under half an hour, mm. kind of hard to, you can get forgot, you know, it comes out and then everyone has watched it and kind of forgets about it. So there's that side of things trying to like um, make sure that there's time in the sun for people to find it. Um, but the other side is like, we believe in the show and believe that it's like one of the more quotable shows on TV, comedy shows on TV. If not the... Um, if not right. the most and, quotable. Yeah, and we love each week on Twitter, and I'm sure it's it's reflected on in real life and on um, people's um, people's WhatsApp groups and whatever. That sharing of people's favourite lines that goes mm. on each week. Yeah, you know, and it's always brilliant to see which lines people pick up on. But the most amazing thing is how many different lines people pick up on. How many things land with people? They'd probably be like between 15 and 20 different quotes that or moments that have like have chimed with people and they, and they're sort of sharing them. So we just feel like it's the kind of show that you, you wouldn't get that if you, if it's box setted because everyone's on different episodes. Mm. And I think one of the, you know, if you, a, a lot of chat with friends about TV, I find now goes like this. It's like, Oh, have you seen whatever stranger things? Um, oh yeah. What episode are you up to? Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about it because I'm only on episode four. You're on episode eight, or whatever. Yeah. We'll talk about it when once 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 I've caught up. Let's chat about it, or whatever. And you probably don't go back and have those conversations. So it's like one of the downsides of box setting is I mean, you lose that sense of we're all in the same episode. We can all enjoy that as we mm. go. Um, and um, so yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I'm glad we did it because it's like yeah, it's and it also worked so well for series one and series two. So we were like. Let's let's stick to the formula for the third one. Absolutely, it makes it an event, doesn't it? A water cooler moment. Water cooler moment. Water that's, cooler moment. That's it. Um, right. Uh, Rachel Jane Wood back on Facebook said, uh, "Ask him. That's yourself, obviously. If Kerry's yeah, mum, if Kerry's mum Sue is the same Sue that Martin gave a stuffing to as a biker, resulting in poor my finger <laughs> suicide." Yes. Great question. Um, yes. 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 That is Sue Muckley. 
There you go. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people thought it was, but it obviously was to... in plain sight. It wasn't ever said. Yeah, was it was it... never acknowledged. No. It was never sort of, never, never, Kerry, there was never the sense that, that the penny had dropped for Kerry even. Um, there were other versions of that where there was more of that, slightly more of it, not not much more, but where it was a bit clearer. Um, so, yeah, I can say for a fact that it's it's so much like there you go who, uh, he's who he stole from uh Pull my Derek finger. Sproles. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. right yeah 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 Derek wow. Sproles, there you go uh, the last yeah. one we've got is from Andy Hilly he says are there any outtakes from series 1 what? are there any outtakes from series 1 that's yeah. so specific <laughs> yeah. i mean what as in like out in the wild, as in like on. Yeah, well, or do I'm, we have them? Yeah, or do you have them? I mean, takes in a big vault. Well, because I think I think the thing is, is because it's such a funny show, and I've I've watched things like The Office and Parks and Rec, where they have. Did um, you plant this question? No, 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 not question. at all, not at all. <laughs> but like one thing I love is watching things like and and the British Office, the the bloopers, and I can imagine that yeah. just on set there must be times when things just like were like amazing like funny things were said and then people are laughing and i'm sure that i, I know i know i don't i'm not sure I, I know that a lot of fans would love to see that sort of thing yeah is it, funny, a bit of a, I really... is it a contentious issue with you with the bloopers or uh it's not contentious but i, t- I think for the first series we made a conscious decision not to release any of them or anything like that because we were really going for this like driving home the reality of the thing and as soon as there's a bloopers reel alongside it, it's like, oh, yeah, but really it's just a sitcom. And we right. didn't want anything that was like, that was saying that, even though obviously it is a sitcom, we're not mad. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like the whole, we wanted it to have that kind of clarity of kind of purpose to it, that people were like, oh, it really does feel like a convincing documentary. So don't put out a, a bloopers reel, because that's not something a documentary would ever do. Um, it's hard for me. I don't, I, cause I'm like you, I really do find them funny watching other people's shows. I think I'm just a bit too close to this show. At, like, you know, when you've made it and you see that it, it, they like sort of wind me up. Cause it's like, <laughs> Oh, all the hours we lost while we were <laughs> cocking that up. Um, so I don't find them that funny, which is probably another reason why we haven't put them out. But, um, you're, you're going to be absolutely delighted to hear that there is going to be a bloopers reel for this day series. Wonderful. Um, because I've seen it. It's been cut. Someone, the BBC Three have cut it and they've done a brilliant job and it's lots of... It was actually more... There also wasn't a lot of stuff. We always said there weren't many bloopers. There weren't. It's true. There's the odd bit of people corpsing and I think we once showed a clip of the Mandy Tattoo book scene. Maybe it was at a screening or something where like, like everyone was just on the floor as kind of a one-off clip. Excuse me. But, um, but yeah, th- this year, I think, particularly Geeve, Paul Chahidi, who plays the vicar, um, as he, like, relaxed even more into the group and that work. Because he's always, for the first two and a bit series, been the sort of professional one. Mm. Like, he's a great friend and we love him. And, but you can rely on him to be professional. And in series three, that went completely out of the way. And he relaxed. No, it was brilliant. But it was so good seeing him like just uh, become even more open and just like take, finding the joy in the thing. And like, but yeah, so there is stuff. The downside of that is there is stuff where he is 
unbearable in terms of his corpsing and him and Charlie together. I know we've talked about this a lot, but there's one scene that I know has made the bloopers where, in fact, my favourite one was all that needed to happen was Nick goes up, knocks on the door, Curtin opens the door and says, hello. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> kind of as simple as it gets. Yeah. And uh, they could not get through this. <laughs> this, this bit, this top of the scene. And Charlie said, because every time he walked towards the door, he just saw Geeves' silhouette <laughs> like through the window. And so he was already chuckling as he opened the door and there was Geeves' face just going, hello, Curtin. <laughs> um, so it's really, yeah, I, yeah, there'll be a set of bloopers that probably get released at once the last episode goes out. Well, there'll be so, a, a um, lot of this country fans now cheering at their podcast device. Yeah, a lot no, of great right, with that information. That's that's wonderful to know. Right. So again, we've said as we're recording now, three episodes of the last series um, have been broadcast. What sort of general feeling have you had in regards to reaction? I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it's been. You know, yeah, the, the the fans love it, and I put a poll out on Facebook yesterday or the day before on people to find out what their favourite ever episode of this country was up until Cynthia came out, uh, mm. and Driving Lessons by a mile was was the number one episode of all the series. So Have far. you factored in recency bias though into your statistical work? Uh, well, is I it mean... just because everyone's like? Oh, I can't think of any other this country. Episode. Uh, no, no, I, I listed I listed every single oh, listed episode. Them? Yeah. Um, uh, so... No, it's, that's great to hear. And I saw that you got that feel on social media, the way that um, people reacted, particularly to to that episode. It's been amazing. Like the, the first episode um, was unbelievable how well that went down because it was such a difficult episode for for so many different reasons, as you know, to, mm. to like balance doing justice to Michael and Slugs's character and um, trying to, again, keep it funny throughout that. Um, the, the reaction to that was the biggest relief because um, it was so great that people connected with the story and also still felt like it was a really, really funny episode as well. So that, that was sort of the biggest relief, I think. But yeah, the, the reaction to episode two, um, which we felt was a good one, and we really were excited to to put it out there. But even saying that the reaction was like above and beyond what you thought. Yeah. Lots of people saying it was their favorite ever, which is just mm. incredible. Well, it's, um, I was going to say uh, with um, the episodes dropping on like BBC three and that is viewing figures still a thing. Yeah, they are still a thing, but I, you, you'd think you'd have more of them and they'd be easier to get. It seems mm. to be like harder to get. I, I, we get sent them now and again and it's this like, Excel spreadsheet in like font size 0.6 and you're trying to work out what's going on. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. And then usually someone collates them all and then puts it into plain speak English later on and they'll say, oh, 4 million people downloaded it during its first six weeks or something. But um, I gather they've been quite good. I don't, that's not what you're looking for, is it? You want hard facts? (laughs) Well, no, because they must have been good because you're on your third series. I yeah. mean that oh, speaks for itself. For previous, yeah, yes. for previous yeah, series yeah, yeah. as well. So yeah, I don't really. No, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't know even what the previous series have done. Obviously, what's different this time and, and is great as well as the weekly release is that it's launching the same day on iPlayer and on BBC One, mm, mm. which is brilliant because it just feels like everything's joined up that bit more. You sort of the 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 
bit of um, pics of the day in the papers or little bits of advertising or social media stuff all comes together at once. And whether you get your stuff off iPlayer or you're still watching um, traditional TV channels, it's it's on the same day. That that feels good. So I'm sort of hoping that those figures will be an improvement on last time. But, you know, I'll they, let you know. They will be. I'm sure. They will I'm sure. be. Well, Neil and I, before we um, went on air and before we started talking to you, we were talking about the last episode that we've just seen, which was Cynthia. And we said how yeah. it felt like a different kind of episode. I mean, it's it's very dark for a start. Um, yeah. But the two thi- well, the, the thing that struck me about it was uh, Jimmy Walker was back as Dan Greaves. Yes. Um, yeah. Sandra was back. But it was like, blink and you'll miss them, especially Sandra. Sandra was like a, white, a long shot away. Yeah. W- w- was there more of their story in the episode that had to be cut, or was it just... Actually, in... in um... In Sandra's case, and Holly Atkins plays Sandra, and she's absolutely brilliant. In, in Sandra's case, that's all there was, and it got added quite late. Um, I think there was a plot that we were figuring out how to end or how to resolve it um, towards the end, uh, or quite late in the process of writing it. And so then had the idea that, you know, Kerry would stumble across Martin sort of playing the dirty dog, slipping out of... Um, of Sandra's house and Holly really kindly agreed to come back and do it, which is so brilliant because we loved her and Sandra. Um, but we also love that thing that goes right back to the first series of maybe you see a character briefly. Yeah. Um, like Len, for example, in the first series, you don't know whether you're ever going to see Len again, or whether he's going to become a recurring character. You certainly don't really think um, the first time you see him that, he's going to become a character who's got a story like he gets in, in the Cynthia episode. And that's something I've always loved about the world is like, it it feels like people, it feels like the real world because there are people who might turn out to be someone or they might not, but you're not quite sure. Do you know what I mean? You don't have your cast of six characters you're going to see every week and you're going to see those. And we guarantee you're going to see those six. Um, And you probably won't see anyone else barring one or two guests. You know, it's, it's not quite like that. Um, so it's kind of the opposite of that now at the end of it being able to just spot people again in the world who you've seen even however briefly is really really exciting and again is I think that kind of detail and it's something that Simon's been really like committed to um, because it's quite expensive to book an actor to come in and do a day when you want you know one little 10 second for one little 10 second bit Um it's not the most efficient use of your money, but he, um, like myself and like Daisy and Charlie, understands that that, that the detail that that brings you money can't buy, you know. Yeah. Mm. And in Jimmy's case, um, again, he's absolutely brilliant and a fabulous actor. And we, there was more of Martin's party um, that he's having with the lads. We shot more of that, um, which was basically like being at Martin's party. Right. So like you can see why we kept it short. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no oh. one wants to be at Martin's lads night. Um so yeah there was more um but again it was it was brilliant to have him in that bit. I wish they we could have used more of it but um but it was what was right for the for the episode, you know, and that's the thing. You like you do sometimes make tricky decisions in terms of what you cut and what you don't to keep the episode moving, or maybe it's a long episode or what have you. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely love seeing those little fleeting glimpses of the two of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So 
so now that this country has come to an end, uh, yeah. obviously, you know, in the making of it, we've still got three episodes that uh, that we'll all be sort of looking forward to. What what sort of things have you got coming up in the future? Are there any sort of projects that you can tell us about? Or uh, Yeah, I think I can tell you what I'm going to do next, which is I'm going to go and film the second series of um, a thing called Don't Forget the Driver that stars Toby Jones and is co-written by Toby Jones. Um and it's set in Bognor, and it's about a coach driver. Um, and Bognor is one of those sort of seaside towns, like a lot of coastal towns in England, that's kind of been slightly left behind. You know, it was probably a bustling place in the 60s um, and a tourist destination, and now is kind of a bit um, a bit isolated and not a lot going on, particularly for young people. Sound familiar? <laughs> um, so, um, so, and they're beautiful scripts. Um, written by uh toby jones and a guy called tim crouch who's a lovely writer and just come up through a sort of theater background really kind of understated comedy drama um beautiful characters um and obviously the chance to work with toby was was too good to turn down so i'm gonna go on to that and film that in the summer fantastic i shall look forward to that because the first series was brilliant and oh, I, you enjoyed it? Yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, yeah. yeah, it was funny. Um, I won't say too much, but if you get a chance yeah, I'm, to I'm, I'm, do watch it, right. it's really good. Is it's that, really is that good. A iPlay, BBC iPlayer thing, is it? Or is it... I, I think it's still on iPlayer, yeah. It's BBC right. Two and iPlayer. So um, okay. if it's if it's not up there now, they'll put it back up on iPlayer in the run-up to the second I series. I do like Toby all... Jones. He's one yeah. of those yeah, very yeah. watchable actors. Let's just say he plays two roles in the first series. <laughs> yes, completely right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He plays himself and his brother. Yeah, and obviously um, now when we had when we had Daisy and Charlie in, they did say that when the when their money runs out, then uh, there may be like a Christmas special or a movie of this country, and I'm sure you'll be ready to to jump on that when when the money runs out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we've talked, we've made no secret about the sort of Christmas story that we've we've had a thing in mind or the, the beginnings of a thing that we've been interested in looking at for, for quite a while. So, um, yeah, never say never, see what, see what happens really. And, and, and whether, um, um, whether there's the time or the appetite for it from, I'm sure, you know, on the fan side and all that, but, um, yeah, I'm sure at some point, um, we, I can certainly imagine us doing that. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe um, when the uh, when the US remake is uh, up and uh, going running, just uh, pop over the pond and uh, direct an episode of that. That would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's been lovely. Like um, I've been kept in the loop, and they've been sending me the sort of scripts for that the pilot that they're making, and then obviously we heard that the pilot's now been greenlit, and um, and that'll be shooting in i think may april may or maybe it comes out in may maybe they finish it in may right um and over there it's much more a case of as you probably know you do a pilot and then the network say give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down so um but no it'd be brilliant if it um if it turns into a series out there yeah absolutely if they do 22 episodes a season and stuff that's going to (laughs) be very interesting and then your special is when two worlds collide yes Whoa! Can you yeah. imagine? <laughs> um, There's the movie, you know. No, it's great because there's obviously great people like making it um, with a, you know, like Paul Feig and his company. You know, have got a brilliant track record, and um, 
and they seem to be going about it in the right way. They're trying to cast like unknowns or relative unknowns for um for Kerry and Curtin. And so yeah, it's it'll be exciting to see how it how it shakes down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, well, Tom. Um... As, uh, you know, as we stand, it's it is the end, and we just want to say thank you very much for everything that you've done, for the, helping create something that has created a fan base that is one of the most loving and caring fan bases I've ever been part Absolutely. of. Absolutely, um, and yeah. um, it's it's been an amazing journey that we've been able to see you be on, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, totally. Well, you've been on it with us, and like you've and the way you guys have supported the show from from day dot was has just been incredible and and you know I, I totally echo what daisy and charlie said which is like is a huge part of the success is like as i said earlier that like that that sort of core fan base who like were telling people about the show when nobody else was watching the show that's that's where it all started and no it's just been brilliant and you know thank you guys so much for like not only like doing the podcast and like sort of being such a big part of the fan base, but, but taking such a, a, like care and interest in those fine details of the show. And like, and it's like the fact that you guys are as into that detail and the type of questions, type of stuff we talked about tonight as we are is mad, but so satisfying. And it's no, it's really, it's really special. It's, oh, it, it's, it's indeed is it's only, if you love something, you're going to look into it in detail, aren't you? And you're going to pick it apart. Yeah. We can't wait for all six episodes to to be sort of like done, so that we can start recapping them and doing commentaries on them and and taking them apart and making more quiz yeah. questions for the for the this country quiz book that we've got we've got that we've compiling. So it's all of those sort of things are the things that makes being a fan of something like this country all that more special. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. It is. It's well, fantastic. Tom, Thank you, you so much, the next Tom. Episodes, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we we Trust are really going to try and stretch the shit out of it as much as we can. <laughs> We're at a hundred. You're hundred and eighteen, I think. Yeah, you're hundred and eighteen. Oh, so we'll boss straight yeah. past. I'm sure we're going to get to hundred and fifty, and then if they do pick up the US series, then we can recap the shit yeah, out of those. Right. There you go. <laughs> and we yeah. might even get Paul Feig on the podcast, then, mightn't we? You never know. You know. That'd be something, wouldn't it? Who knows? Who get knows? him in the shed? Oh yeah. Oh, well, he's With been his... to. Yeah, we know with, that with his three-piece suit on. Yeah. I mean, he, he looked lovely, Sorry. wouldn't he? Looked really dapper. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, Cheers, thank you, guys. Tom. It's been a real so pleasure. Um, Neil, do you want to do a little bit of housekeeping before we finish? Certainly can. You can find us on all the social medias under WTAF This Country. You can go to our website, which is WTAFpodcast.com, or you can email us at WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com. Okay, now I've got a few things to get through. Uh... Patreon bozos. If you want to be a Patreon bozo, then just go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. And there are loads of... Uh, we've got three different tiers um, uh, of rewards. You can get yourself a nice WTAF uh, enamel pin. Uh, An exclusive. Limited edition one. Oh, they're so yeah. cool. Uh, so just go there. Uh, but we've got Laura Gollop and Liam Hill are two guys that have come and joined us. So thank you, Laura thank and Liam. Thank you very much for that. Now, also, I was looking on the uh, Apple Podcasts statistics, and I was looking at all the different places that listen to the podcast. And if you listen, there's some places where you've only had one listen. But there's places like North Tustin, California. Hello, California. 
Arecife, I think that's how you say that's it. That's in Lanzarote. That's the capital of Lanzarote. That's the Canary Islands, yeah? yeah? There you okay. Go. Cochranville, Pennsylvania. Oh, I like that word. Eusophia Ducala Abda. There you go. Lanfuerpulglinglil, Isle of Anglesey. Well, I'm that's sure. Wales. <laughs> yeah, that's Wales. And a place called Wellard in Western Australia. And they will be there. <laughs> I bet they will. <laughs> it's all that 4X, yeah, isn't it? That's what it is. It's so thank mate. you to those one listens in those places. Well, mean, every listen counts. You know, every listen counts. But we've got over 100,000 downloads now, and we're well on our way to, like, 150,000. Fantastic. Um, it you, doesn't everyone. get any better than that, does it? It doesn't. Uh, just to let you know now that the tickets are now on sale for WTAF Live 4, The Farewell. We are going to be recapping the very last episode of This Country. We have no idea what's in it, so we've got no idea what we're going to be talking about. Shall I tell you what it's called? Oh, what's it called? Go on. Harvest. Oh, harvest. We, can we put that up on the poster? Is that is that a spoiler, or should we, should we maybe not do that? No, you can put that up. Yeah. yeah that's right. Fine. I can put that on the poster. It's going to be called, not called the farewell now. It'll be harvest. That'll do. Wow. I See, like it. Return of the Jedi. When they filmed that, it was called Blue Harvest. <gasps> See, it all comes round to Star Wars in the end. There you go. <laughs> it always comes round to Star Wars in the end. Standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> So, yes, the tickets are now on sale. So if you would like to get your tickets, just come to the website or uh, go to uh, the Sundial uh, Theatre website. They'll all be on there. I'll go to our social medias. We've got all the information uh, there. I think that's it. Absolutely. Tom, thank you ever so much again for your Thanks time. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Take care. Enjoy. And see you soon, we hope. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pam. Thank you very much, everyone else. Now, go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.